Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. We are so glad that you're with us this morning for worship. If you're a visitor, we want to welcome you. Uh, We have gift bags on the table out in the foyer that we'd uh, love for you to pick up one on your way out. It's got a small gift from us to you and also some more information about the church. We'd love to answer any questions you may have. Uh, Before we get into uh, worship this morning, I want to share two quick announcements. Uh, The first is that we're not having Spark this week on Wednesday night due to the homecoming parade. Many of our youth and families and volunteers are going to be part of that. And uh, you can go to the homecoming parade and, and support uh, support our, our youth. Uh, also, we do have, I think, each individual life group's making their own call whether they'll meet uh, without child care. Uh, so if you want to check with your life group leader, and they'll probably also be reaching out to you whether they'll be meeting this week. And then the last announcement is this Saturday, September 26th on the square, there's going to be a prayer event. Um, It's going to coincide with Franklin Graham's event that is being held in Washington, D.C. It's a prayer walk. Um, It'll be at 11 a.m. in the square uh, and just a time of worship and prayer. So if you would uh, like to join in that this, this Saturday at 11, just meet at the square. Before we uh, get into worship, I want to share a scripture with you from Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. It says, all this took place, and it was everything that culminated in the birth of Jesus Christ. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And right now, uh, that, that's just what the Lord has put on my heart. He is with us in every moment of every day. We're not alone. He came to be with us and he is with us this morning. Stand with me as we give him praise. Father, all glory, all praise, all honor belong to you and you alone, Father. Lord, I just pray that our eyes would be open to see your son. Lord, that we would truly see what we just sang about, Father, the life that he lived, going to that cross, literally arresting death, defeating death, defeating the grave, Lord, and then rising again to life and bringing us with him. Lord, that we would see that, that we would encounter your son, God, with us. Lord, and when we encounter you, everything else falls away. Everything else pales in comparison, Lord, and we will give you praise and we will give you honor, Lord, because we see uh, your worth, we see your value, we see who you are, Lord, and we give you praise this morning. In your name we pray, amen, amen. We'll give him praise one more time this morning. Well, he is with us this morning. I know you, if, if you were here, you felt his presence, and we know and thank him and, and thank uh, the Holy Spirit for, for being with us and Jesus Christ being with us. Well, this morning, you may be seated. Uh, we have a special guest with us this morning, Pastor Joel T. Meyer. If you were with us uh, back in uh, December, you, you were blessed by him the last time that he was here. He is a powerful man of God, has an amazing relationship with the Father. I'm so blessed to be in a relationship with him and to know him and to have him in my life. Uh, he founded the Way Bible Church over 20 years ago. When you see him, you'll think he, he started it when he was 11. Uh, <laughs> He, he still looks like a young man, uh, but he is doing a phenomenal job there. He, he also works with uh, TFAC, our uh, fellowship of churches that we're part of, um, and he, he is one of those mentors that I walk with, and he helps uh, coach groups and, and lead pastors. So he is a leader of leaders. Will you uh, join me in welcoming Pastor Joel this morning? Well, can we give God a good hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. It is good to be back in Lampasas, Texas, and I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Hey, the worship team, you guys did phenomenal today, and I'm so grateful that you guys are able to usher in the presence of Almighty God in such an amazing way. So can we give the worship team a hand clap of praise for the great job that they did this morning? And the Word of God says this, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with 
praise. And so I can't, uh, I, I never, when I go to a church, like to underestimate the value of that scripture. So if we, throughout the message, say, give God a hand clap of praise, it's because we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And I'm grateful to be in the house of God this morning. But when you enter his courts, talking about going into the holy place, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so I love it when we get to praise the Lord our God. If you would begin to open up your Bible this morning to Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8 is where we're going to kick this thing off this morning. And the title of this morning's message is called Only God. We're in a year called 2020 that it is an only God year. Can I get an amen on that? Like if God doesn't come through in 2020, when it's, it's the only God thing that can happen. And so I'm believing that God's going to come through in the last three months of this year like never before. Amen. I'm believing all the stuff that's come till now is a setup for an only God moment. And I believe in only God moments. You guys here uh, at New Covenant Church are part of an only God moment. But here's what I want you to begin to do. I want what you have in here to be expressed out there. Because out there needs what you have in here. Amen? And so I believe, and I'm just praying this, Pastor Chris, I'm believing and praying for a spirit of evangelism. Not just going out and inviting people to church. No, I'm a true spirit of evangelism where people encounter you and they look at you and they know that there's something different about you. That evangelism doesn't come from your mouth, but it jumps off of you because of the way you live. And people encounter Christ because of our lifestyle, because of our actions, because of who we are. And, and, and Candy, I'm believing this for y'all's children's ministry, that you guys are going to birth up disciples in Christ that will truly worship the way you are worshiping and not be ashamed, ashamed of expressing and giving expression to what God has on the inside of them. And that's going to be pivotal in the next decade. For those who worship God, we will worship him in spirit and in truth and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for the salvation of all mankind. The Bible says first for the Jews, but then for Lampasas, Texas. Amen. Then for here, then for right in this area. And so um, when I preach this message, I'm also going to begin to talk about Lampasas, not New Covenant. Your vision needs to be Lampasas, not New Covenant. Your vision needs to be for out there, not just in here. And so when we start addressing this and reading the account that we're about to read, we're going to read the account, and, but we're going to read it for Lampasas, not just for the people in here. You guys got an encounter with God. That's why you're here. They need an encounter with God, and so that's where we're going. And so Luke chapter number 8, verses 40 through 56 is where we're going to read. And so a couple key things I want you to remember about this message. The first one is this. In this message, only God, the purpose is not just to show what God can do, but to understand who God is. The purpose of this message is not just to show the power of God, but to show the person of God. A lot of times we read the Bible and we love to read miracles. We love to read Old Testament uh, encounters with God that are only God moments. New Testament encounters with God that are only God moments. And we love to read about the power of the miracle. But anytime God does a miracle, he's not just trying to show you what he can do, but he's trying to show you who he is. And so we got to remember this. Anytime that God does an only God act, he wants you to go deeper to discover an attribute about his personality, about who he is, not just the power of what he can do. This is where the nation of Israel missed it, but Moses got it. It says Israel knew his way or Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. Moses knew the person of God. Israel only knew the actions of God. We in the New Testament church need to get to know the person of God, not just the acts of God and what he can do. So as we read Luke chapter number 8, verses 40 through 56, this is the account where a woman who had a disease or issue for 12 years comes up and touches Jesus when he's on his way to do another miracle. And Jesus just gets off the boat, and he gets off the boat, and he lands, and a man named Jairus comes to him. And he's the ruler of a synagogue. So he's a pretty important person. And he's on his way to do a miracle for Jairus when a person who we don't know their name comes up and interrupts the miracle that Jesus was going to do to get her own miracle on the way that Jesus was supposed to do another miracle. So as we start in verse 40, join along with me. And it says, now Jesus returned. So he had been here before. They knew he was coming back. And he, they were excited to see him. And so now when he returned, the crowd welcomed him. 
for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had a daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, isn't it funny that somebody was living for 12 years and now is about to die, but a lady who was dying for 12 years is about to encounter life? Only God can do those moments. A little girl who had been living for 12 years is now about to die, but a woman who had been dying for 12 years is about to live. So it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on. You can be living and then come into a crisis, and Jesus is more than enough. You can be living in a crisis, but then come to healing because Jesus is more than enough. And he's showing both sides of the spectrum here. And so she had had an issue, a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, they could not be, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she could not be hidden, I love that line right there. She could not be hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him. Declaring, uh, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this answer, said to him, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And they were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Jesus said, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed. Now, I want to stop right here for a moment. This is Jesus's big three. You got Peter, John, and James. These are the big three who will go later with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the place of further still. He left his disciples to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him a little bit farther, asked them to pray, and Jesus went a little bit farther to a place that I like to call further still, and he prayed. These are the big three that brought, went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And they saw Moses and Elijah, and Peter says, I don't know what to do. Should we build some tents? And I bet Jesus just kind of laughed. I bring that up for a reason. The ones who were closest to Jesus still didn't understand the power of his only God moment. So when they saw somebody who was dead and Jesus said she's about to live, they laughed and their mourning turned to laughter, not because God had done the work, but because of their disbelief. How many times have we been praying a prayer asking God to do something and when he finally says he'll do it before he does it, we laugh about it internally. And so this is when Jesus shows up on the scene. Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that she should be given something to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And so in this scripture, we're going to focus on verses, um, we're going to focus on verses 43 through 48, but I wanted to read the whole thing because context is everything when you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, I need you to understand that the context of what you read is everything. The reason God doesn't move the way we want Him to move sometimes in only God moments is because we don't have the full context of what God is trying to do. In your life, I'm going to challenge you, never pick out one verse of Scripture to apply to your circumstance, but bring your circumstance to the Scripture, the Word of God that never changes. Because if we do a plug and play, we pull this out of the Scripture and plug it into our circumstances, we're going to mess up everything. 
But when we'll bring our circumstances to the rock that is stronger than I, the word of God that heaven, that the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will stand forever. When I bring my circumstances that, to something that doesn't change, my circumstances are bound and determined and must line up now with the word of God that never changes. When we bring our word or the verse of scripture that we like for our life and apply it to our circumstance, our circumstances then begin to change. And so then we got to go find another scripture. Why don't we bring my life that's always changing to the word of God that never changes and anchor myself in it so my life becomes stable? Amen. So my thinking becomes stable. So my mind is transformed, but if I pull things out of context and just try to apply it to my circumstance, I'll never get Bible results. The woman with the discharge of blood applied her circumstance to the Word, the living and active Word of God, Jesus Christ, according to John 1.1. Jairus said, I must go to the Word made flesh, according to John 1.1. And so I want you in your life to begin to use this as an exercise and a practice. Whenever something is not right or not going right with your kids, your marriage, your career, your finances, whatever your struggle or issue is in life, I want you to bring your issue to the Word and literally bring it into the Word rather than saying, oh, the Word of God says He shall supply all my needs. So I'm just going to hang on that He shall supply. Well, it's true. But we pulled that out of context because the people he told that to had given all that they had and even more than they should have for God to answer them like that. So when I put it into context, it begins to change the way I think about how I'll live my life. And so I want us to begin to keep things in context. And so in this section of scripture, a woman had had an internal hemorrhage meaning she was bleeding on the inside, and this was an internal issue that manifested in an external way that caused her to be unclean according to the Hebrew customs. So she had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. And so it was an internal issue that was manifesting in an external way that was supposed to keep her separated from the very ones who were supposed to heal her. She was supposed to leave her house, and when she did, Pastor Chris, she was supposed to say, don't come near me, we got a social distance, because I'm unclean. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's why, I don't have, that's why I have a big deal with social distancing. We are not unclean. We are born again, blood-bought children of the Most High God. Saved, healed, delivered, set free. We're supposed to touch. We're supposed to lay our hands on the sick. They're supposed to recover. And so in this moment, she had to leave her house, according to the Hebrew customs. And so for 12 years, this problem persisted. How many of you have ever had problems that persist? Right? They just seem to keep going. Everybody raise your hand because it's 2020. Right? It's not stopping. Right? It started in March. And it started in March. And I thought it would be done by Easter. Because surely an only God moment, God could come at Easter. Come on, and just annihilate this disease, and the church would show victorious in power. But now it's going into September. And we're still waiting on only God. Have you ever had an issue that just seems to linger? And no, I'm not talking about your kids. Right? They're blessings from the Lord. Have you ever had something in your life that doesn't matter what you do, you just can't seem to get it fixed? There are problems that persist. And she did not know that when she woke up that morning, that in less than 24 hours, she would have her only God moment that she'd been waiting on for 12 years. I say that because some of you have been waiting on God to do something in your life for an extended period of time. It may not be exactly 12 years, but you've been waiting on God to do something for a while. And I believe when you woke up this morning, you came with a heart of expectancy, not understanding all that God would do, but knowing that God could still do it. And I believe today is going to be your only God day and your only God moment where God begins to do in your life what you've been praying and believing for. Come on, if you're with me this morning. And he wants to touch you in your life today. And the Bible says this, And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she spent all her living on physicians, 
She could not be healed by anyone. Did you ever think the reason we're running out is because we're going to people who do not have what we need? She, I love the way the, the writer of this writes this gospel. And I love the way Luke writes it because he writes it in past tense. She had had a discharge. We still call her the woman with the discharge. We still in the church today have not let her go of her issue. Luke didn't write like that. Luke said she had had an issue. We still call her the woman with the issue. How many of you in your life are still going and hanging around people that don't have what you need and they're making you hang on to a problem that you've let go of? She had had it, but she no longer had it. But we in the church today still call her the woman with it. And some of you are not getting what you need because you're going to people who do not have the answer for what you're going through. Many of us in our life have aligned ourselves with takers, not givers. We'll go to people all the time who will take from us, but never pour back into us. You'll go to circumstances, you'll go to situations, and you've aligned your life with people in your work, with people outside this building, with people in your life, with family members, with extended family members, who always take from you and never give unto you, and therefore you always feel empty when you leave, and you went to them for help. You've aligned yourself with media outlets that take from you and don't give life to you. And I don't care if you're a Fox News fan, a CNN fan, a social media fan. They're all full of junk right now. And you would do very wise to just shut it all off. See, I believe that we've heard the media so loud that we've missed the sound of heaven in a lot of ways. And so many of us, we go home and you turn on a media outlet to see what's going on in the world. And it's taken joy from you. It's taken peace from you. It's taken love out of your heart. Then you've aligned yourself further. You go to social media to see what your friends are doing. And lo and behold, you thought you had a friend. And now they're on the opposite side of an issue that you are. And you're mad at them. And you hadn't even gone to have coffee with them. I'm going to preach till it's quiet. (laughs) And I promise you, you're not that different than your friend. But we've let external media outlets take from us the joy that God's supposed to be putting in us. That we've let them take from us the peace that God's been putting into us. We've let them take from us the love that's supposed to be shed abroad in all of Lampasas to see a great outpouring of revival come to this house. And we've let the world begin to steal because we've aligned ourselves with media outlets and people who take from us and don't give in to us. Could her problem have been She went to physicians who could not give her the answer that she needed. They took everything for her. She had spent all of her living, the Bible says. She aligned herself with people who did not have what she needs. But if we will go to Jesus, who isn't just the author of life, he is the resurrection and the life. He will give us everything that we need for every moment that we're going through. Do not go to Facebook for a recommendation that only God can bring to you in a promise. You know how you can go to Facebook and say, hey, I'm looking for an answer, and it says, do you recommend a place? And everybody can chime in on what you're needing a recommendation on. Too many of us have gone to Facebook for a recommendation that only a promise of God can fulfill. In this moment, we must turn to where The answer really is. And the Bible says this. And she came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. And there's an amazing message about the fringe of his garment that I'm not going to preach today. Maybe if Pastor Chris will have me back, if I can finish on time, he'll he'll let me go there. And so the Bible says this. And she came up behind him. The behind him is a key phrase there. Behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. The spirit of shame... I'm going to address this. This is a big deal right now. The spirit of shame will cause you to hide from the one who is your only hope. The spirit of shame caused her to sneak up behind him, not walk up to him. The spirit of shame caused her to sneak through the crowd, to touch 
the only one who was her only hope. The spirit of shame in some of your lives is keeping you from the only hope that you're supposed to be running to. And listen, I believe this. God wants to set about ten of you free this morning from the spirit of shame. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what your personal history is. I don't know if it's been an abuse. I don't know if it's been a molestation. I don't know if it's been, uh, I don't know if it's been a traumatic divorce. I don't know what you've been going through. But for some reason, you don't think you can approach the throne of grace with boldness that you're trying to sneak up and steal a blessing from Jesus rather than approach the throne of grace with boldness, that He can give you grace and mercy for your time of need. She snuck up behind Him and touched the fringe of His garment. She came up behind Him because she didn't want to be seen by Him. Did you ever think about that? Everybody wants to be seen by Jesus. She snuck up behind Him because she didn't want to be seen by Him. Shame will make you sneak up on the very one you should be walking towards. Shame will make you cower in situations that you should be bold. Shame will make you do things that you wouldn't normally do to keep you from getting to the one who is your only hope. And in this moment, she snuck up behind him because she didn't want to be seen by him. And here's my favorite part. And Jesus, having every opportunity, Candy, to expose her shame, decided to take it away instead. Oh, see, some of us have, some of us haven't been set free from shame. I've been set free from shame. I know all the bad stuff I've done. I know all the issues I've faced. I know all the traumas and trials I've gone through in my life. And I'm ashamed of some of it. But when I go to Jesus, who is the only one who can set me free from it, Jesus having all authority to expose to you everything I've ever done in a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, decided not to expose Joel's shortcoming, but to take it away so the gospel can go forth. And he's done it for you too. Jesus, instead of exposing your shame, says, I'm going to take it away. God wants to take some shame away this morning. He wants to set some people free in the house. And many of us were bleeding because of issues on the inside we've gone through. We don't want people to know we're depressed, Daryl. And we're bleeding on the inside. We don't want people to know that we're, we're, we're drinking too much alcohol, Fernando. That, that we don't want people to know that. So we're bleeding on the inside. We don't want them to know that, that we're on prescription drugs. We don't want them to know that, Christina. We don't want them to know the shame that's on the inside. Because if they ever knew the shame that was on the inside of us, they wouldn't accept who we're trying to be on the outside. But Jesus... Having every opportunity to expose depression will take it away. Having every opportunity to expose alcoholism or drug addiction will take it away. Having every opportunity to expose because he is the spotless lamb of God. He said, but I am the spotless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, not exposes it to everybody. Come on, shouldn't the church be a little bit more like that? Let's take away the shame and reproach and set people free in the house of God. Her bleeding... Listen to this. Her bleeding did not just steal her dignity. It also stole her identity. Many of us, when we read this account, we read it about a discharge for 12 years, but we underestimate what was actually stolen. The discharge destroyed 12 years of her life. The discharge destroyed all of her household and family income. The discharge destroyed her health. The discharge destroyed her reputation. The discharge destroyed her dignity. The discharge destroyed her identity. Because that's what the thief does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come contrary to that to give you life. And this is the kind of life I'm giving you. Life in abundance to the full till it overflows onto somebody else. In this scripture... We read and we see that the, the thief was coming and destroying her dignity. And when your dignity is destroyed, it's one thing. But listen, ultimate destruction happens when the thief can destroy your identity. Why do you think the greatest battle in American society today is an identity issue? Listen to the big movements, the big political movements. It's identity issues. 
if the enemy can destroy our identity or make it about my identity versus your identity and which identity is better and which identity matters and which identity doesn't matter. And I don't even know what identity I am so I can (laughs) self-identify. Come on. And it's okay to live whatever life you want until you find out who you are. Ultimate destruction doesn't occur when the devil destroys your dignity. Satan has to come to destroy your identity. And in this moment, God wants to do something greater than just heal her and restore her dignity. What are you dealing with in your life right now that is destroying you? Oh, you know that. Let's get serious with the heart right now. We all got, we all got, a, we all got an issue in our life. The Bible calls it a discharge. We all got something that's draining life from us. You know, it's that, that secret thing you wish you could really... If God, if you could help me stop doing this one thing. I hate always being angry at my spouse. We come to church and we sit here like a happy family, but every time I go home, I blow up at my kids every night of the week after work. God, I wish you could take that discharge away from me. What, what is it deep in your heart that you need God to work on this morning? Because if we don't leave here with a heart transformation, we just got good entertainment. We need a heart transformation. God wants to stop the discharge that is draining your life. It's that one thing. You know, you always have a number one problem, right? Like in the church, Pastor Chris, we always got that number one problem. And when as soon as that number one problem is fixed, it doesn't just say, oh, we got number two. No, it goes to number one. It, it, it's an elevator. It just goes to the next level. You always have that number one problem in your life. Maybe it's your financial situation. That it doesn't matter how hard you work, you can't ever get ahead. And it's draining the life out of you. What's that one thing that God is working on? What are you dealing with that is destroying you? It is not only your heart that is being destroyed, but now it is your hope wondering if God will ever come through. See, after a while, the discharge won't just destroy your health. It won't just destroy your heart. It'll destroy your hope. And the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. When the devil can steal your hope, you have nothing to attach your faith to. He wants to know, what do you need in your life to produce hope again? So you can attach your faith to it. So you'll quit wondering if God will ever come through. Now here's the key. Everything that God does for you is to show you who he wants to be to you. Everything, everything in your life, Rodney, everything that God does for you, he's trying to show you who he wants to be to you in every area of your life. And so if just her health was stolen, if just her health was stolen, Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord my healer, would have been more than sufficient to supply that need. If just her health was stolen, Jehovah Rapha could have came on the scene, healed her, and everything would have been good. But more than her health was stolen. Remember what was all stolen from her? Twelve years of her life. Her income, her health, her reputation, her dignity, her identity. It was all stolen from her. But if just her health was stolen, Jehovah Rapha is more than enough. He is the Lord, our God, our healer. That is who he is. But listen to this. But way more than her health was stolen. So not just Jehovah Rapha was there, but God as Adonai. Adonai could conquer the discharge that destroyed her whole life, not just stole her health. Adonai means master over all. Adonai means master over all. Pastor Chris, you're in a building project. We're about to go into a building project. We don't know how it's going to get done. We don't know how it's going to get started. You know, you go through all those things. I don't need the Lord, my supplier, Jehovah Jireh. I need Adonai, master over all. I need him to align things that I can't align. I need him to set up things that are outside my 
purview of my ability as a leader that I don't even know are coming 10 months down the road. I don't need just Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my supplier, because a million dollars would be great. I need Adonai, master overall, because it's worthless for him to give me a million dollars if in 10 months from now I've squandered it on something I didn't know about. I need master overall. I need Adonai in my life. Adonai showed up on the scene because he could conquer the discharge that destroyed her whole life, not just fix her health problem. Some of you are selling God way short because you're wanting him to fix the singular singular discharge when he wants to be Adonai and restore your whole life. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 3.24. This is where Adonai comes from, meaning master overall. Oh, Lord God, Adonai, master overall. Listen, I love this verse. You have begun. He's just begun, Chris. Like we can think we're far along, 20 years into TWBC and the amazing things y'all are doing here at New Covenant. He says this. You have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such mighty works and acts as yours, Adonai, master overall. Some of y'all need to underline and highlight in your Bible, Deuteronomy 3.24, and you need to memorize it. Because whenever your circumstance calls in question the power of God, you can say this, you can read this verse out loud to your circumstance and say, Oh Lord God, Adonai, you have begun to show your servant your greatness. You're showing me your greatness and your strong hand. Y'all need to study the hand of God. And every time the hand of God is mentioned, amazing series you'll be able to do, Pastor Chris. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such mighty works as yours? He is Adonai, master over all. Now, this is where the whole message comes together. Adonai, master over all, is the reason. Adonai, master over all, is the reason he could stop for one daughter and tell Jairus, hold on, because I still got your daughter too. If it was just Jehovah Jireh, he could have healed this daughter But then there was still the question of that daughter. But Adonai showed up as master overall. And so when Jesus got off the boat, he saw Jairus and said, I'm going to your house, but on the way to your house, I'm going to stop and take care of this daughter. But I still got your daughter because I knew it when I got off the boat because master overall has shown up and this daughter needed a touch. But I didn't forget about your daughter because master overall means I can show up as Jehovah Jireh for her and I can show up as Jehovah Rapha for her. And I can also show up over here as the resurrection and the life for your daughter. Because he's master overall. Master overall, Adonai. Some of y'all need to go into your house and declare it's a house for Adonai. Master overall. Verse 46 says this. Jesus said, someone touched me and I perceive power has gone out of me. When the culture of her day abandoned her, Adonai, master overall, showed up for her. Some of you have felt abandoned. In your life. And I'm telling you, Adonai, master overall, is going to show up for you. When the religion of her day rejected her, Adonai, master overall, restored her. Ooh, come on. This just excites me. When her culture abandoned her, Adonai showed up for her. When religion rejected her, Adonai restored her. When the priests of her day, Jairus, the synagogue ruler, was right there. When the priests of her day could not heal her, Adonai, master overall, came through for her. He is master overall. And here's what I said, why I said I love this. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, She came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. When the woman saw that she was not hidden. Look how much it's changed since the beginning of this message. The first part of the message, she snuck up behind him. She was hidden because of her shame. When she was touched by Adonai, And when she touched the friends of his garment, her shame was gone and she could no longer be hidden. It didn't matter what she tried to do. God is pulling some of you out of hiding. 
And He wants to remove the shame so you can no longer be hidden. So the glory of God that's resting on your life and in your life, He's trying to remove any shame so that glory can shine forth. And you're going to be walking through a grocery store one day this week and somebody's going to come up to you and say, there's just something different about you and it's because shame has been taken away and you no longer can remain hidden. It's time for shame to leave the house of God so we are no longer hidden in Lampasas, Texas. I'm telling you. And I just declare that over this house. You will no longer be hidden. There's going to be something that when people drive by, there's something about that place. We got to go. There's something here that we got to see. And he said to her, daughter, so powerful, daughter, daughter. So what he said, he said to her, daughter, and I'm going to speak to all the women in the house real quick. In a society that we live in where women are more ashamed of their bodies than they have ever been. And body shaming is a big deal. And women, you compare yourself to unreasonable expectations called Photoshop and Instagram filters. That God is going to set you free from shame. And don't let your identity get lost in an Instagram filter. Because he's already called you daughter. And there's some ladies in the house who need to receive that. There's some moms in this house who need to receive it because you got daughters sitting next to you who do not need to walk out of the house ashamed of how they look because they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of God Almighty. And if we walk in shame, they're going to walk in shame. But when we step out in freedom, we're paving a pathway of freedom for the ones who follow us. And he said to her, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in what you didn't have when you came to me. He didn't say go in health. She came for healing. What she got was peace. How many of you know many times when you go to God to get something, he gives you something different than what you asked for, but it's really what you needed all along. He gives you what you really need all along. He said, daughter, go in peace. When she encountered Adonai, she did not realize she was simultaneously encountering Abba. When she encountered Adonai, she did not realize she was simultaneously encountering Abba, which means father. Because when she encountered Adonai, everything about her life changed. But when Jesus called her daughter... See, listen to what happened. She came in fear and trembling because she was not hidden. Shame was removed because she couldn't be hidden. Her identity had not yet been restored because she still came in fear and trembling. This is so good. See, he didn't want to just restore her dignity. He wanted to restore her identity. And the moment he called her daughter, he restored her identity, not just her dignity. So when she encountered Adonai, she simultaneously encountered Abba. When she encountered Adonai, her dignity restored. She was healed and made well. She was no longer unclean. But when she encountered Abba, Jesus looked at her and called her daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now go in wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what that word peace means. Go in what you didn't even know you came for. Because I'm master overall. I'm Adonai. When she encountered Adonai, he restored her dignity. When she experienced Abba, he restored her identity. One encounter with Jesus changed a woman who was destroyed and dying because of a discharge into a daughter. Some of you, the greatest term you can hear this morning is not rich, it's not free, it's not power, it's not anointing, it's son. Son, 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 daughter, 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 son, son, daughter. Because when he gives you an identity, you don't go out to worry about dignity. When he gives you an identity, you don't have to worry about health. When he gives you an identity as son, remember the story of the prodigal son. It didn't matter how far he had messed up. When he came back home, he said, son. 
And to the one who never left, he said, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. See, the greatest thing God can give you is not restoring your health or restoring 12 years of your life or even restoring your dignity. It's to give you a true identity. Because when you get an identity, you're going to walk in a power that will restore dignity and health and a life that he's called you to live that Lampasas needs to see. Restore God to this church. Sons and daughters that know their identity in Christ. Some of you, this morning, you need to know that God is Adonai. He is master over all. And your circumstances, you don't know how they're going to line up, Chris. I don't know how things are going to line up with building projects. But I just got to know He's Adonai. He's master over all. He's got it established before I was even born, and He'll still be moving way after I'm with Him in heaven forevermore. He's Adonai. He's master over all. Some of you need to know that God is Adonai, master over all. And you need to trust him as Abba, the father who loves you. Some of you know him as the father who loves you. But now you need to begin to trust him as Adonai, master over all in your life. I'm going to ask everybody to stand this morning. As we close... What do you need to encounter this morning? Some of you need to encounter Abba. To know that there's a father that loves you as a son and a daughter. Some of you need to encounter Adonai, master over all. And give all your cares and concerns to him. And just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning, if your life has been taken from you, I mean, you're here physically, but you've had a discharge. Something's been draining life from you. You're going through issues. You've been struggling with shame. You've been struggling with problems. You've been struggling with issues. You've got them things in your heart that you want God to set you free from. This morning, I want you to be bold. And if you're struggling with anything that you would know, if Jesus would just touch it, it would be healed and made whole. If you're struggling with anything, just hold your hand up real high for about five seconds. Amen. Hands are up everywhere. And don't be ashamed. I'm going to say, drop the shame. Just hold your hand up real high. I'm not ashamed to say I've struggled with stuff. And with your hand held high, pray this with me. Heavenly Father. Now pray it with faith. Pray it with boldness. Heavenly Father. And I want the whole church to pray this. Heavenly Father. I come to you as your child. And right now, I trust you as Adonai, master over all. I declare you're restoring my dignity and you're taking away my shame. You're healing me of the discharge that is draining my life. And right now, I receive it. It's mine. Today is my only God moment. And I receive my life-changing touch from you. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, I believe there may be somebody in the house this morning that you don't know him as daddy because you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. To encounter him as Adonai, he wants to introduce himself to you as Abba. The word of God says this, Jesus said it about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to Abba, the Father, except through me. If you've never made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity this morning. When I count to three, if you need to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, just shoot your hand up real high and hold it up for a second so I can see it. And then we're all as a church family going to pray a prayer of faith together so you're never alone, you're never by yourself. If you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, on the count of three, hold your hand up really high. Here we go. One, two, Three, shoot your hand up in the air if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Thank you. I see three hands, four hands, five hands, six. Everybody pray this prayer with me. The whole church. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Who is the way? Who is the truth? Who is the life? I recognize I need a Savior. And I receive forgiveness of all my sins. Because of what Jesus did, 
for me. And right now, I declare He is Lord and Savior of my life. And I am grateful that you have become my Heavenly Father. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power to walk in faith to see you glorified. Jesus, I love you. You are my Lord and my Savior forevermore. If you prayed that prayer right after this service, go to a prayer partner, go to one of your pastors and tell them, I made a decision for Christ. What are my next steps? Father, we glorify you. We love you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would seal this morning in a way that only you can. That it would be inspirational. It would be prophetic. It would be powerful. And it would bring freedom. Not just to this house, but to everyone in Lampasas. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe it, give God a great big hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So I had a picture uh, that I'll share with you. We're, we're, we'll close here in just a second. Um, but one of the things that Pastor Joel shared that was uh, that just really stood out to me was talking about the shame and being delivered from that shame and and how we hide and how you know she was hiding. Um, but what God's been showing to me is <laughs> some of us hide better than others. You know, if you if you had children, if you remember when you'd play hide and seek with your two year old and they they hide. This is how some of the people we encounter are hiding. And it's so obvious. Their brokenness is so obvious. But some of us are really good. We can really hide. And people around you would think they're not broken. But you're just a much better hider. But you know. I know my own brokenness, but the power of the word that Joel shared, that Jesus Christ, the one who could shame us, the one that who could expose us, and whether we're this little kid or whether we're hidden so well that no one knows, he will take away the shame. He will make you whole. But you have to encounter Christ. And it doesn't matter if you sneak up behind him and touch his robe or you're one of those stories, one of those only God moments where they're crying out and saying, Lord, heal me. I'm broken. Because Jesus healed them both and he made them both whole. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, Lord, your word says, and your disciples said, they raise him up. We lift him up that the world might see, Lord, and that that we would go out into this community, into Lampasas, that the body of Christ, Lord, throughout this world would take you and lift you up that they might encounter Jesus Christ and be whole. And Lord, we ourselves, that we would come, whether it's sneaking up in shame or shouting to you of our need, Lord, however it is that we would come to Christ and just reveal to you our brokenness that you might make us whole. In the name of Jesus, we proclaim wholeness, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray eyes would be open, ears would be open, hearts would be open to encounter the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and that you would be lifted up and glorified everywhere we go, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 